We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody, do another edition of the Rock Power Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill C's Nick and Older Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. Email is easy in the studio. And we have author Kevin Bryant from Spies on the Sideline. He's back with us to do another show here, Super Bowl week. And we're talking about some of the biggest scandals that have ever gone on as it pertains to the big game playoffs. Kevin, first of all, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me back on. <laughs> of course. You have no idea the response. Since we had you on the show, there's been people showing up to our tailgate. You think I'm blowing smoke up your ass. It's literally people showing up to our tailgate going, we bought the book after we heard it. I heard about it on your podcast. It's amazing. So you you message me back and you go, oh, well, you know, you never know. People might just tell you things, your friends, your family. Isn't it nice to hear that there's people out there in the wilderness who love what you're putting out? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great to hear. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, your mom tells you your book's great, you know. And, you know, your <laughs> wife says, ah, oh, you know, congratulations, honey. This is fantastic, you know. But, you know, until you can step outside of, you know, the people that you, um, you know and get feedback from them, right? You're never really 100% sure. So it's, uh, yeah, it's great to hear that. I love it. Guys, the book Spies on the Sidelines. Kevin, where can people find it? Yeah, so it's available on Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, Walmart. Uh, Basically, anywhere you can buy books online, you can find Spies on the Sidelines there. Perfect. So tonight we're talking about Super Bowl cheating, conspiracy theories. We're going to talk about a lot of things. I want to open with one of the things that's touched Bills fans the most. 
And it's something that I don't think you know existed until I messaged you about it. <laughs> Which is Kenny Davis, running back for the Buffalo Bills. Look, look at Ebron's yeah. face. Yeah, I, I kind of believe him. <laughs> he kind of believes him. He still maintains to this day. Like, we didn't know it until, like, Buffalo fans didn't know until they saw the ESPN documentary, uh, Four Falls of Buffalo, that to this day, Kenny Davis still thinks that the reason they lost that Super Bowl against the Giants isn't because Scott Norwood just shanked a kick. It's because the Black Hawk helicopters providing Overwatch, <laughs> somehow the downdraft shifted that kick. Kevin... Considering what you know about the military and how, like, hey, how high you have to fly above certain buildings, what can can you give us any insight on whether or not that's bunk? Yeah, so I've flown on quite a few birds, so I do have a little experience exactly. there. Exactly. What, what I will say is that, so I was in Afghanistan. Don't ask me which year, because I was there three times. But um, I was running around. We had a track at one of the locations I was at. Okay. And so I wanted to get some exercise, which I knew was, is never, you know, that's always an adventure whenever you do it outside of a gym in Afghanistan because everything's dirty as heck. But I'm sick and tired of working out in the gym. So I go on the track. Well, little do I know while I'm running around this thing is that the middle of the track serves as a landing zone for helicopters, right? Because I'm, this is like day three, I'm on this base. And this thing is, you know, helicopter comes in, you know, could have been a Blackhawk. I don't know what type it was. I don't remember anymore. But, you know, it, it touches down and I'm on this cinder track just getting pelted by all these little rocks that come there. And I'm literally like, you know, just just curled up into a ball trying to avoid getting sandblasted by this thing. So, you know, I, they're pretty powerful. Um, they do, you know, those those, you know. Those blades on the rotors, they, uh, they're powerful, you know. Is it going to affect the kick that high up? Um, <laughs> I can't imagine it is anywhere near the field. So I have a really hard time believing this. Um, you know, but... Um, I mean, Kenny Davis, he's still pretty sure that that's the reason that yeah. he doesn't have a ring. But you can kind of look at that and go, hey, listen, maybe, like, if you want to believe that, you can... But you know firsthand, they don't kick that much wind. Yeah. No, I think this is one of those things of, you know, whatever you need to sleep at night. And uh, maybe that's what he needs. So. <laughs> so, yeah, so do I sometimes. Have uh, there have, Has there been any – so over the course of you researching for this book, has there been any other instances of, like, atmospheric, like, weird outliers or things that you thought that well, there, was, there was outside interference? Well, I mean, the big one is the plate gate. <laughs> well, yeah, no, let's, want, right. let's let's talk about that deflate gate <laughs> because first of all, we all like to blame Tom Brady, and didn't Tom Brady get suspended? Yep. for four games for deflate gate. So there was something there, something there. Well, there was something there, but also realistically, like you you affected the balls, but also Tampa Bay did it. That's something I, I messaged you about. I don't know. Yeah. You you must know. Uh, who was it? Who was the quarterback of Tampa Bay's team the year that they beat the uh, – oh, Jesus. When they won the Super Bowl. When they won it handily. Uh, that was, was a it, test of birdie, was it? Was it Tampa no. Bay and the Chargers? 
It was Tampa Bay and the Raiders, right? The Raiders? No. Um, it was it was Johnson. Brad Johnson? Wasn't it Brad Johnson? Am I wrong? I, I don't know. Here's what I do know. <laughs> so here's what I know, Kevin. Yeah. The Tampa Bay quarterback directed the staff to go out there and take 100 footballs and scuff them up. Yeah. Because he's like, well, we need to get them. Yeah. We need some grip. We need some grit on them. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. And somehow that passed muster. No, yeah. So NFL teams and quarterbacks do that all the time. That's that's just standard protocol. So, yeah, quarterbacks, a lot of them like a football that's got a bit of wear and tear on it. Um, they have some grooves in it that you can, you know, help get a get get a handhold on those things. So, absolutely, it makes sense. I mean, you know, teams, that's the reason why, you know, and we saw this with Deflategate, was, you know, teams bring their own footballs to a game and turn them over to a ref before the game starts to have them inspected. You know, if teams, and especially quarterbacks, because really it's quarterbacks that it comes down to, right? Mm-hmm. They're the ones that want their balls a certain way. Iman, it's the Super Bowl. Who's the most important player on the field, or who's the guy who carries the most gravitas? It's yeah. the quarterback. It's the quarterback, right. Yeah. Now, they will have a couple balls, at least one ball per team, that's like a kicking ball that has it, however, you know, that's a little different, probably higher inflated, than um, some of the others because a, a well-inflated ball is going to travel farther. Yep. But the problem is a well-inflated ball is harder to get a good grip on if you're, if you're throwing it. So quarterbacks typically like it, like their footballs, you know, with a minimum amount of inflation so that they can get a good grip on that thing and really rip it. I understand this, and it's a terrible thing that I'm about to admit. But I understand Deflategate 100%. Now, when we were in gym class in high school, I had first period gym class, which means it's the first thing you do of the day. And I go in there and I'm in ninth grade and there's a bunch of seniors who are just get they're getting stoned out in their cars and they're coming into class and they're high as a kite. So we play dodgeball. And they're just kind of, they're, they're lethargic. They, they don't care. But there was this thing we called the equalizer, and it was a, def, a slightly deflated volleyball that you could get your hands on. <laughs> you could really get a grip <laughs> into it. And you could take that thing and just sidearm it at somebody. And it was, it was like the hand of God when it hit you. And so here's these kids who are high out of their minds, just wandering around, just getting blasted by this. Yeah. Ball that somebody like me, who's not the most athletic guy in the entire world, but I could grip that thing and sidearm it at 55 miles an hour, and that's all it took. That was the deciding factor between them continuing to go through just an easy day of gym class and them being just sitting on the bleachers with a napkin <laughs> in their nose. It was wild. And I look back at that now after Deflategate, and I go, Deflategate got the Patriots to the Super Bowl. And at the same time, was it really that far off from what every team was trying to do? Well, you know, I mean, so first of all, to go back to your dodgeball story, because this is the most important thing, okay? So a tip for everybody out there, okay? This is the reason why you want your kids to play soccer. Because instead of throwing a dodgeball, which is hard to get your hands around, you kick that thing. And if you're a soccer player, you can send that thing a million miles an hour at all of your high school nemesis, which I love to do. 
So anyways, <laughs> moving on and getting back to football here. He's as petty um, as we are. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so yes, there you know, teams are consistently trying to put a, you know, a, a minimum amount of PSI into, you know, pounds per square inch into those footballs and still make it within, you know, the league's limits of what's allowed. Having said that, um, you know, uh, yeah, the Patriots took it, you know, to another length, um, and it was pretty clear. I mean, they had a whole thing where, you know, an assistant brings it to the referees, then brought the balls out of the referee's locker room, snuck them out, you know, brings them into a bathroom, which is caught on camera. He's caught on camera going in there, spends 90 seconds in there deflating these puppies, um, and then, you know, and then shows up, you know, he's out there on the field. So these footballs are all tested um, at halftime when the referees figure out what's going on. And, you know, all of them are below the legal limits. Um, you know, the Patriots are trying to say, hey, it was because of the weather. Um, and that's the reason they lost all, you know, which is possible. And so there's this guy from MIT, this professor who comes in, puts out a YouTube video and explains in scientific terms, while the why these balls lost that much PSI, oh, and it has YouTube, everybody so convinced. Real. But the reality <laughs> is, guess what? Their opponents' balls did not lose that much PSI. Exactly. So, you know, it debunks that whole thing. It was it was much ado about nothing, and um, it's cheating. Yeah. What what makes what what it bothers me about what the Patriots did? They did it against the Bills when we sucked. <laughs> they did it against the Lions when they sucked. <laughs> Like, why did you guys have to cheat to beat such shitty teams? Well, it, here's here's the thing about the Patriots. So everybody, you know, they talk about Deflategate or Spygate as if these are individual isolated things. They are not. Okay? The Patriots, you know, read my book, Spies on the Sidelines, and yes. you will see how many different types of things <laughs> that the Patriots do that are either breaking rules unethical, whatever you want to call it, sometimes all of those above. Um, and so, you know, they're doing, you know, you say, oh, they're deflating footballs. Do they really think that's going to be that big of an advantage? Well, it's not just deflating footballs. It's everything else on top of that. And it snowballs. That's what I would argue. And this is the crazy thing about where we are with football. Is It's like there's a team amongst us all that somehow gets away with things. <laughs> or at least did. And now, I don't know, maybe they don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback anymore and a Hall of, like their Hall of Fame coach is kind of on the ropes. I don't know. I, I just feel like they've run out of cachet. So they're no longer cheating. They're just taking it on the chin. Mm -hmm. And it's not going well for them. <laughs> it's not going well. Right. I mean, you heard that, uh, that I Am Athlete podcast and radio show that they do where they talked about how there was players that go Josh McDaniels preeminent. The only time he's ever been at the top of his craft is when he's with the Patriots mm -hmm. and they go, he was involved. He, he goes to the Broncos for the first time and they start winning games and they're winning games like crazy. <laughs> and then they get wrapped up in Spygate too. Yeah. And they go, Oh no. All right. Well, that's not true. That's not true. This is all just slander. Whatever. Now, this is them on this podcast talking to a linebacker on the team, and they were like, our coach always knew the right game plan. Mm -hmm. He always knew where to tell us, where to be, the right 
hey, he, this if you see this, shift here, do this, do that. It was like he could read their minds. He goes, the second we got caught, we had to stop doing it. We lost five straight games. <laughs> and we all had to look at each other in the locker room and go, oh, no, we were cheating. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. we, were, we were cheating before. That's a fact. And that's the stuff that you found throughout your research, I'm sure. Like over the years, like teams that get caught cheating, there's a there's a dip. Oh, <laughs> there's yeah. a dip right I mean, now. no, there's no doubt. I mean, you look at like, you know, if I rattle off, I'll rattle off some names for you. You know, Bill Belichick, <laughs> Al Davis, <sighs> Weeb Eubank, yep, Sid Gilman. <laughs> George Hallis. You know, what do these guys all have in common? Well, one, they're all fantastic coaches that have won a ton. Many of them won numerous championships or Super Bowls. Okay? So, but what else do they have in common? Well, they all went that extra mile. <laughs> and I say that politely. There's, all, there's evidence that they might have carried a little bit too far. Yeah, I mean, lots of them did, and um, and you know, it helped them. It helped them on along of the way. There's no doubt. I mean, do you need good players? Absolutely. And you know, Bill Belichick's example A, right? Tom Brady leaves, and man, it's tough to win without a premier quarterback. There's no doubt about it. There, there isn't. Um, but it's you know, when you've got a bunch of, especially in today's day and age, where you have a salary cap and the draft set up like it is, the league is designed to ensure there's parity throughout the league. Yep. And it is very hard to get an advantage. And anything, any step you can take to get the slightest little advantage over an opponent, it helps. And so um, so teams do. I mean, they're, they're going that extra mile. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So if we're talking about teams getting a kinetic advantage, just in terms of, hey, we're going to scuff a ball, we're going to change the deflation, through your research for your book, what are some... Can you share an anecdote or two about some things that you found historically that other teams have done to actually um, physically alter a phys- football Physically game? alter stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, I think Stick'em is probably the <laughs> biggest stick one, Stick'em is right? terrible. I mean, Stick'em was used in the league for a long, long time to great effect. And many of the, you know, great receivers back in the day 
they used it. Um, so, you know, that's example A. Um, you know, I know, you know, I know a bunch of offensive linemen. Um, also, you know, they would pretty much gel up their, um, their jerseys before games and their arms and everything else. So they'd, you know, they put um, really, really uh, like baby oil on them. Okay. Because how do you grasp somebody who's got that? Yeah. Right? You, you know, you've got them and then you don't. Um, Chris, if can I you? If I was a running back, I yeah. would consider that too because, right? Because you can easily break tackles like that. You just can't get it on your hands. Chris, you can you hold the ball? Can you imagine me baby old up? I'm <laughs> trying to grab a hold of <laughs> no one wants to see that. No one wants to see when, that. When I, when I played high school football, Vaseline on our shoulders was the thing. That's it. Yeah. You're talking about it. And you would tuck you would tuck your jersey in here and put Vaseline right here. Okay. So see, right. he's even yeah. copping to it. Like so I played guard and tackle. If he's doing it in high school, obviously yeah. they're doing things at the pro level to gain an advantage. Right. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, you know, even like like a quarterback's wristband. Um, so when you go, you know, when teams go into, um, they dogpile on a quarterback, you know, whether it's a fumble or a oh, they're trying to read like, that, whatever it is. Okay. Well, they're not just trying to read it. There are guys trying to rip that wristband <laughs> off the quarterback's <laughs> hand. There, there's that, you know, one quarterback actually said, you know, he got in one of those. They weren't trying to rip the ball away from me. They were trying to get my wristband. Yep. And, uh, you know, so. You know, yeah, teams, they've got lots of little physical tricks they use to try to, you know, get that edge. So I'm just thinking about other ways. Like you, you've you talked about cheating and all these things. In, in our last podcast, you talked about technical cheating and all of the ways that you could use drones and you could use cyber espionage and that you could use just actual espionage. Like, hey, I'm going to break into your locker room or I'm going to take things out of your trash or I might just, hey, you're, you would cut a guy and he got frustrated and threw your playbook away. I'm going to be there. I'm going right. to be there to pick it up. So right. I, I want to talk about, I'm thinking about Harbaugh Bowl. Do you remember that? Yep. Okay. Here it is. The Ravens are handing the 49ers their ass. And all of a sudden, a, a trance... It was proven to be a transformer explosion. We saw the overhead, the thing exploded, and then all the lights went out. But there was a, in the moment before they kind of figured that out, there was this, I don't know, conspiracy theorist thing where you were like, oh, wait a minute. The Ravens are running away with this. This isn't, we have to get this closer. So we're going to have a 20 minute just blackout period where everyone has to sit here and and then the game's going to resume, and when it does, the Ravens are going to come out cold, and the 49ers are going to come out hot. We're going to get a couple bad calls here and there, and all of a sudden, it's coming down to the final play. Now, obviously, it's easy to look at that and go, well, the NFL, eh, it's like the WWE, it's planned, it's this, it's gamesmanship, it's the city planned for it, the 49ers sabotage. Realistically, have you ever seen throughout your research for this book any incidences of actual physical sabotage from one team to another? Um, so, you know, I think there are two types um, that I'm 
that I'm aware of that what goes on. Okay, so one's not by a team, one's by fans. Um, a favorite, a favorite thing to do before big games, especially in the playoffs, show up at their hotel and pull the fire alarm to ensure your opponent can't get a good night's sleep. Um, that's that's one very very common one that goes on, and so NFL teams bring their own security with them and guess what watch the fire alarm. Guess what their job is at night. Yes, I remember, oh. I remember this in the, in the early '90s with the Bills. This that, that was a thing. Yeah, except the Bills weren't in the hotel. We were always rest. home, but it was a thing. Can I say this? The Bills were one of the teams. Uh, Woodson. Oh, Jesus. His first name escapes me. He was a Girl. safety for the he no, he was a safety for the Cowboys during the Bills Super Bowl era of the early nineties. And he goes Those Bills players were known throughout the NFL as the hardest partying guys in the NFL. And they were like he was like, Listen, they were never gonna beat checkout. They were never gonna beat lights out. And the team knew it and they let them get away with it. And so these guys were out there every night, late, just flaunting team rules. It actually frustrates me knowing that as a fan, doesn't it? I don't know. Like, if I were to play for the team, a player for that team in that era, how would I have acted? I don't know. You've already lost two Super Bowls. You're going into a third one, and you go, hey, we have to win this one. Well, we're Except Pas- we're going to go out and party for a whole week. We're in Pasadena, though, right? In the third one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some teams do better like that. You know, so John Madden's Raiders during the 70s, right? Yeah. He, you know, he actually, so they were the same way, right? He's at a training camp. He cannot keep those guys in at night, okay? They're supposed to be locked down. They're going to a bar. They're out drinking. They're out having a great time, okay? So he actually asked a team psychologist at one point, hey, uh, do some of these guys, like, these are a bunch of crazy dudes that, like, I think they need psychological help. Should I do that? Should we get them help? And you know what he said? He said, well, we could. And it might help them in their personal life. But you never know what's that thing that makes them a great player. And so by tinkering with their mind, yeah, right, it could, it could disturb their football ability. So John Madden goes, oh, we're not touching them then. <laughs> you know, so... Yeah, maybe that's their way to relax. And those, you know, the build players, they needed that. And they play better like that. Think, ah. Yeah, well, they obviously didn't because we lost four Super Bowls. <laughs> like that's, I guess, so I guess the question is like, like, obviously we have our foibles, our franchise with our Super Bowl mishaps. We have our conspiracy theories and things that we think happened. When we talk about things that you've come across in your research for this book, like, that 49ers Ravens Super Bowl and just then also what we think about our own team and I go hey you guys you might just be you didn't get sabotaged you just got ran over by a team that didn't go out and party for a week what have you come across in your work that proves the difference between what is intentional espionage or sabotage from one franchise to another and what might just be malfeasance by those players if you could just give well, an example or two. Yeah, I mean, well, this, I mean, there's all kinds of different collection, you know, that goes on, things that teams are using. You've got everything, you know, every team's doing some sort of overt collection. So by this, I mean, you know, doing film study, diagnosing your other team, going sure. through the media, 
of seeing seeing if players or coaches if they got any loose lips and revealed any secrets. Okay. Hey, hey, what did they? Uh, what did uh, what's his face call it? He called he insulted the Redskins' offensive lineman. Oh, uh, Chuck Dickerson. Chuck Dickerson, and then he got contracted by our local radio station to be a host. Yeah. After he got fired from the team, <laughs> but he called him a bunch of pigs. And they were like, he goes, yeah. oh, these guys are a bunch of fat pigs. They can't play. They're wearing tutus or some, something like that. And, and they fucked us up that game. <laughs> they fucked us up. That was the one Super Bowl. I was like, that team is just better than us. They're just better than us. The Redskins, Bills, Super Bowl. Yeah. Better than yeah. us. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Sometimes, you know, one team, a, a, a superior team is going to be a completely inferior team almost sure. all the time. That's all just what time. it is. But I'll give you an example. So, let, you know, take the like this. This is where it really comes important is when teams are very close. So if you take the 1958 championship game, for example, OK, known as the greatest game ever played. OK. And, you know, what you've got there is you've got um, the Colts going up against the Giants. OK, the Colts have Weeb Eubank as their coach and. Um, and they've lost the regular season game by three points, okay, in New York. So they're going to play them again for the championship game in New York. And we, Eubanks, desperate to win that game. So he gets, he goes up to his uh, assistant coach, Bob Shaw. He says, Bob, I need you to spy on the Giants' practice. And so, you know, Bob's like, I don't feel comfortable doing this, okay? Well, a little while later, we, Eubank, the owner, of the Colts comes up to him and is like, Bob, we need you to spy on this practice, right? <laughs> and so he gets basically, he gets pressured into this. And, you know, and so he does. He goes up on the roof of a building overlooking the Giants practice and he spies on him. Um, and he brings back, you know, brings back the information for the coach. And we Eubank and the Colts end up, you know, that game's tied at the end of regular time. It goes into overtime. Colts win it. Um and so, you know, it's those, it's those close games. It's those games where you need the slightest little edge, where two teams are so evenly matched that, you know, these, these events like, like watching a practice, spying on a practice, or, um, you know, maybe using something like um, elicitation. You know, having one of your players call up a player on the other team who are the buddies. Start getting them to talk. Try to, you know, give them a target. What do you want to know, coach? We'd really like to know this. And then how do you steer that conversation to go and try to, you know, try to get this player to slip up and tell you something he shouldn't. All that stuff goes on. And, and the worst part is the bill, the 90s bills fell right into that because they were hammered out in public just being like, oh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be we're just going to run over these guys. It's going to be fine. And they failed yeah. every time. Mm-hmm. It's easy to see how when we talk to you about data collection and how you really get that information together. How that loose lips 1990s era. Like, everyone's mad that we didn't win. It's yeah. easy to see how they didn't. If yeah. you're talking to I mean, a guy teams, like you. Teams are, I mean, there's no doubt teams are doing that kind of stuff. There's a great story in my book. I won't go into it because it's a pretty long one and whatnot. But about how a college team, you know, used a very attractive female <laughs> to, you know, go, go about, you know, would have um, had gathering, me gathering information on an opponent. Okay, so 
to think that professional teams, I mean, this is the oldest espionage trick in the book, right? Yep. You, get, you get a really, really hot girl and you go, you know, you meet a guy at a bar who's half drunk to start with and, you know, get him talking. And, you know, I mean, it's simple. It's easy. It's, it's a no brainer. And it, I'm, I'm positive it happens to football teams um, all the time. Well, that brings me back to my original point about the Bills when we were talking about Woodson from the Cowboys saying the Bills are the biggest partiers in the. All it takes is one set of loose lips to sink the whole ship. That's it. Well, it's not just that. I mean, so even like you take playbooks, for example. Okay. Um, You know, I've got a story about, you know, a player who hooked up with a girl, right? Brings her back to his hotel room, stays the night with her. When he wakes up in the morning, his playbook is missing from his <laughs> from a safe. Okay. Oh, so she was a pro. She was yeah, a pro. I mean, right. I, so you know, yes. I mean, I love teams, it. Teams have to. You, you know, it's not just it's not just being worried about what you say. It's worried about what do what do these people have access to. You know, while they while you were there, um, and and so you know, um, yeah. I mean, a, a drunk players is a, that's a you know a bunch of drunk players with coaches' worst nightmare. Especially that's a nightmare teams. scenario for any <laughs> franchise. I mean, teams literally send out NFL security members. They honestly, so they will have not NFL security members, but their own team security members. So they will do something like this: a team security member will go around to bars around their city. Okay. And they will strike up relationships with them. And then they will say, hey, if you get my if you get players in my bar, in your bar, especially if they start drinking a lot, I want you to give me a call. Okay? Yep. And I will show up. I yep. will be there. Does it help I'll be the guy. DUIs and all of that stuff? Absolutely. But does it also uh you know yeah. you also monitor them and make sure they're not being stupid and revealing info they shouldn't? Absolutely. They cover all of those things. That's a see, and that's the type of stuff that I love about what your work kind of promotes. And when you read that book, it illustrates that side of the NFL to everybody. I love it. And that's what I love. I love the fact that the people that listen to this podcast who have bought your book, who got a couple free copies that you were gracious enough to give to us that we sent out to people, everybody who's had your work in front of them takes away from it is there's a lot of shit going on behind here that we don't know about. (laughs) So I'm sure this weekend there's going to be a lot of things going on that we don't know about that are going to be like, that's, that's the soap opera. Now, what I want to know is where can people find your book? Where can they follow you on social media? And what do you have going on? Yeah. So, um, my website is spiesonthesidelines.com. That's the easiest way to get all of that information. All right. So the book's out. It's out in hardback. It's um, audiobook, ebook, all of that kind of stuff. You can find it all on Amazon, of course. Any of the big retailers are going to have the book online for you. Um, my social media handles are all on my website, so you can grab them there. Um, as for what else I got going on, I'm, I'm working on book two, which is going to be all about spying in college football. Um, which, you know, has a lot longer history than the NFL. So you're talking about different eras. Don't you dare indict my roll tide. Different rules. <laughs> yeah. I, I know for a fact there's probably a whole chapter's worth of shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, yeah. Yes, there is. <laughs> of course. 
<laughs> so, I, I one last question. When I'm watching a football game, and I'm like, is this cheating? Do I bank on incompetence or cheating? I always try to weigh these two things when I'm watching a game. Is it the incompetence of the refs in the league, or are we cheating to do something to push it in some different way? Uh, well, if you're talking about the refs, okay, so I could ask this question a lot. Um, you know, I never want to say without, you know, having definitive proof that, you know, there's the refs are cheating that, you know, you know, most likely they'd be getting paid off, right. To, um, to either shave points or to, you know, decide the outcomes of games. So that sounds really far-fetched, I know, to a lot of people. What I will say is that if you look in other uh, professional sports, um, especially um, European soccer, um, yeah. this has already go down, gone down. There was a huge, huge scandal a few years back that, you know, saying hundreds of English Premier League games, Champions League games had been affected by, you know, referees that had um, that had been tampered with. Uh, that, and exactly. so... Um, to think that this has never happened in an NFL game, um, I would not put money on that. I will just, I will just leave it at that. <laughs> Kevin, I love you, brother. I, I again, guys, spies on the sidelines. It's a great book. I have it. It's literally on my bookshelf. I've read it. I own it. You should own it too. Go check it out. For tonight, we gotta get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That's Iman Azizi. That's Kevin Bryant. And this has been your Rock Pop Report.